0: Coming up on today's message with Pastor John. Paul remembers Timothy's tears. He lets them know that they mean something. But know that recalling your tears will lead to joy. Paul tells Timothy, I know you've cried for a long time but the Bible also says that weeping may endure for a night but joy shall come in the morning. Remember what you used to cry over and rejoice that you aren't crying over it now. Remember what used to keep you out at night but rejoice that now that's a little problem compared to the things that you've got going on. It's a little problem compared to how far you've come. Look back at Where the Lord has brought you And realize he's brought you a mighty long way Remember what you used to cry about And rejoice that you have come out on the other side better Amen, let's get into the word Uh, Today's message is going to come from the book of 2 Timothy the first chapter. I'm gonna be reading the first through the 14th verse. Again, that is 2 Timothy chapter one, verses one through 14. I'm gonna be reading uh, the New King James Version. Uh, Let's see what the word of God has to say for us today, Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did without ceasing, as I remember you in my prayers night and day. I greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep the Holy Spirit who dwells in you in us the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god pray with me please oh lord our god how excellent is your name god we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again and get into your word the bible says to study to show ourselves approved a workman needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So Lord God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. That we can work under you and not under man in these things. Let your word go forth and touch those who it needs to touch. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, For the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about parting words. Parting words. I am not ashamed to admit that I have learned a lot from my mother and my grandmothers. Uh, My mother taught me how to ride a bike, how to do a front handspring, how to pray, how to read the Bible I remember sitting at the kitchen table in elementary school in Northampton Village uh, apartments in Indianapolis, Indiana, where uh, my mother showed me Galatians 2:20, where it says, "In part that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who lives but the Christ who lives in me." I remember visiting my grandparents during the summer, uh, both my mother's mother and my father's mother. Uh, My grandma Hargrave, my father's uh, mother, lived in Chicago, Illinois, and I remember going to Maple Park United Methodist Church in Chicago. And uh, the rest of the summers, uh, the rest of the summer I would also be in Freeport, Illinois. And I remember my grandma Bruce taking me uh, and my sister to St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church in Freeport, Illinois. Uh, My mother and my grandmothers have been influential in my development. T.D. Jakes wrote an acclaimed book uh, called Mama Made the Difference, Life Lessons My Mother Taught Me. And in that book, Bishop T.D. Jakes says, mamas teach us to believe in God. He comments, uh, so much in our lives begins with believing, love, peace, growth, change, destiny. I'm so thankful that my mother always taught me to believe. She taught me to believe in God and she taught me to believe in myself. Uh, the strong tide of my mama's many lessons flow out of the current of these two streams. We all have people that we can call upon, uh, if not our biological mothers or grandmothers, some maternal influence that's been to us that has gotten us where we are today and and would hope that when we go out into the world and deal with other people that we carry ourselves like those people who have influenced us. And and, and we see the influence of a mother and a grandmother in scripture here in 2 Timothy uh, 1. Timothy is Eunice's son and Lois's grandson, both Jewish women. If you read Acts 16, it tells us that Timothy's father Is Greek, but we're not sure whether or not he was a believer. So here you have a pastor getting a letter from his mentor, and this pastor has grown up in a mixed family. And not only has he grown up in a mixed family, he's in a mixed situation. This is around, some scholars believe, uh, 67. A.D. and Paul is doing jail time in Rome for the second time under Nero, an emperor whose days were almost ending. Uh, Nero would die about a year later, after Paul, in sixty-eight A.D. and 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 Nero had been an uh, emperor since fifty-four. And it had not been a smooth ride. Uh, the great fire occurred in 64, where almost 70% of the city had burnt down. And the people blamed the Christians for burning their city down. The Christians didn't burn the city down, but they got the blame for it. Can you imagine a community Blaming a disaster on a specific group of people? Can you imagine a community blaming somebody and then turning around and abusing them based off of that lie? Uh, Maybe lying on them and saying they caused a disaster. Can you imagine uh, someone uh, being blamed because of their race or ethnicity uh, or religion? Uh, because something bad happened to their town, their country, their economy. And so somebody's got to blame. Can you imagine that? And the Christians were an easy target for abuse because they weren't the people that fit in. Christianity was not anywhere as near as popular back then as it was, as it is now. And so they blamed the foreigners for the catastrophe. They blamed the outsiders for the catastrophe. They blamed the people who were different. If you weren't around, everything would be great. I'd still have my job and everything would be perfect. You're right. But people got victimized for being a believer. Church tradition says that uh, The apostle Peter was also a victim of this uh, outrage rather, and he uh, got crucified upside down and later Paul uh, was killed as well. And and within three to four years, the young church had lost its two foremost apostles, including uh, its most eloquent, if you will, and, and this most educated theologian, the apostle Paul. However, the church was not without leaders. Although Peter and Paul were gone, the second generation of pastors was ready to carry the torch. And one of these was a young man named Timothy, arguably Paul's uh, favorite and most devoted disciple. And it is to Timothy that Paul is addressing these parting words, this Timothy that he knows his mom and his grandmother. He knew them well, and he mentored Timothy in the fundamentals of the faith. Timothy served with Paul in Ephesus for about three years and was undoubtedly with him on many of his travels, including those to Troas and Philippi and Corinth. And Paul is sharing parting words to the young man that he knew as a trainee, an intern, and then a co-worker with the apostle. And his advice to Timothy is that he should not forget what he was taught, what was deposited into him, over his life Paul wants to reassure Timothy and, and remember Timothy's tears make a request of Timothy and remind Timothy that he has been redeemed Amen. You see faith is is deposited like treasure faith is deposited like money into a bank account we must be able to put something into it in order to get something out of it If I have a bank account and I haven't been putting money into that bank account over and over again when I need to make a withdrawal, there will be no money in that account to withdraw. If you haven't made any Faith deposits, if you haven't spent any time praying, if you haven't spent any time reading your Bible, if you haven't spent any time fasting, if you haven't spent any time tithing, if you haven't spent any time going to church, if you haven't spent any time building up your faith, then when your faith is tested, you won't have much faith to draw upon when you need to use it. I... I, (laughs) I was discussing with some other preachers uh, not too long ago who were bad-mouthing seminaries. Now, I joke about seminary all the time but I appreciate the growth I gained from earning a master's in divinity from Perkins School of Theology. And I would like to pursue a doctorate soon because I enjoyed the growth and the maturation that came from the process of going through it. However, other preachers were upset that they knew some people who graduated from seminary and didn't know any more Bible than when they started school. And I said, that is because you don't go to seminary to learn the Bible. You go to seminary to learn about the Bible. Uh, 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 you don't go to seminary to learn faith. You go to seminary to learn About the faith you don't go to seminary to learn church you go to seminary to learn about the church and you most certainly don't go to seminary to learn Jesus you go to seminary to learn about Jesus you go to seminary to learn the languages. Uh, You go to seminary to learn the history and the culture and the customs. You learn research methods and you learn how to write papers and craft arguments. You are not there to become a better Christian on the way out than you were coming in. If that happens, God bless it. But that is not what that seminary education is there for. And so if you didn't have no faith to begin with, when you go into seminary, the seminary is going to expose it. If you didn't really believe like you thought you believed before you went into seminary, the seminary is going to expose it. You are going to be put in some pressure-filled situations that are going to test you to your core. And I know that pressure can do at least two things. Pressure can bust a pipe and pressure can make some diamonds. It's to what's on the inside when that pressure happens to determine what comes in the outcome. And so if faith wasn't in you to begin with, when you get into those tough times, You're not going to have anything to draw upon. And so Paul is telling Timothy and the church at large, you are about to go through some pressure filled times. Make sure you have something on the inside so that when you need to draw upon it, it's going to come out. Uh, uh, The first thing that that, that Paul wants to do uh, for Timothy is he wants to reassure Timothy. Let the church say reassure. Put reassure in the comments. Paul wants to encourage and reassure Timothy by letting Timothy know that he prays for him every day. Paul resorts to prayer a lot. There are all kinds of scriptures that are attributed to Paul where he talks about praying without ceasing and to let everything be done in prayer and supplication to let your request be made known to God. It's a whole lot of praying, 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 praying. He is praying all the time. And I noticed that when Paul has a problem, Paul resorts to prayer. Oh, if we could be like Paul when we had some problems, we would just resort to prayer and, and, and prayer often. Paul is able to worship God with a clear conscience. Paul prays all the time, night and day. What have we wanted bad enough that we have allowed it to consume our prayer lives? Motivational speaker by the name of E.T. The Hip Hop Preacher tells a story about a student who wants to be successful. In the story, the student asks the teacher to teach him how to be successful. And so the teacher says, follow me. And they walk out to the beach into the ocean, follow me, follow me. And the student follows the teacher until the water almost covers the t- student's face. And the, the student almost drowns. The teacher and the student go back to the beach. And, and, and the teacher asked the student, when he almost drowned, what did he want most? And the student said that he wanted to breathe. The teacher told him, you will never be successful until you want to accomplish your goal as badly as you want it to breathe. Work on it day and night. Paul had something to pray about all the time and he kept. Praying. If we want something to reach God, we should at least be able to pray about it and pray about it all the time. Be able to bombard heaven with the requests over and over and over again until we can just see and God say, "Here, take it. Just take it. I don't want to. I don't want to hear it no more." We can't just pray about it one time. We got to pray about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. He reassures Timothy, he he also remembers. Let the church say remember, put remember in the comments. Paul remembers Timothy's tears. He lets him know that they mean something, but know that recalling your tears will lead to joy. Paul tells Timothy I know you've cried for a long time but the Bible also says that weeping may endure for a night but joy shall come in the morning remember what you used to cry over and rejoice that you aren't crying over it now remember what used to keep you out at night but rejoice that now that's a little problem compared to the things that you've got going on it's a little problem compared to how far you've come look back where the Lord has brought you, and realize He's brought you a mighty long way. Remember what you used to cry about and rejoice that you have come out on the other side better. I remember your tears and realize that you are stronger now. Realize that you are wiser now. Realize that what used to knock you down doesn't even phase you anymore. Reassure, remember, and then Paul makes a request of him. Let the church say request, request in the comments, if you will. Paul requests for Timothy to stir up the gift. Uh, uh, Some translations would better say rekindle the gift. When the fire is just about to run out. You, you, you stir it up. You, you, you When you got a fireplace and the wood and the charcoal is, is almost on its way out and you move it around a little bit, you agitate it a little bit, that gets the fire going again. Amen. Amen. To rekindle the gift means to stir up the grace and the faith and the love that we have received and stir them up by putting them into practice. Amen. See, when the stuff is just sitting there in the pit, right? It burns, but it doesn't burn that much. But when you move it around, it burns a little more. Just like a washing machine, you can put the clothes in and pour some hot water in the machine, but it's got to be what? It's got to be agitated. It's got to be shaken up in order to move. We have to make our own moves and not be worried about what else is going on. Don't get so much time, spend so much time rather being mad at others For what we think they should be doing or what they should not be doing, we can only focus on our own actions and our own responses. It's easy to lose sight of God's gift. But the most important thing we can do is to stir up these gifts of grace, mercy and love. And it says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Um, a more apt translation of that, a more academic translation of that would be cowardice. It says that God hasn't given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power, love. And then the text says a strong mind, but a, a better translation is self-discipline. We can't be scared to do the hard work over and over again. And so therefore the Timothy Uh, Armed with the spirit shouldn't be ashamed of what happened to Jesus or what is happening to Paul, Uh, Jesus being nailed to the cross like a common criminal and Paul being imprisoned over and over again. Instead, Uh, Because Timothy has the spirit of God's power, he should embrace this portion of suffering that comes along with the good news of God. Uh, uh, Those later on, it says that uh, in in verse uh, chapter three, verse 12, that those who follow God are going to be persecuted. And Timothy is no exception. It's not a either or it's a both and. And so he says, I am not ashamed Because it might be shameful to watch those who brought you into the faith get persecuted. But you have to understand that it's not about you, but the one in you. And so Paul can worship with a clear conscience because he also knows that he's been redeemed. Let the church say redeemed. Put redeemed in the comments. Paul knows that his time is almost up but that he serves an on-time God. He knows that we are saved not by works, but by grace. That we can trust in Christ Jesus because he's already done the job of saving us. I am washed in the blood of the crucified lamb, so I am all that God says I am. It's not because I've been faithful. It's not because I've been the one that could work my way into heaven. No, 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 no. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ gave himself up for us so that we might have access to eternal life. We didn't earn this. And because we didn't earn it, that might be A way for some people to try to pretend like we need to be ashamed. But that makes it all that much greater because I know I didn't earn it and I know nobody else earned it. We are all sinners saved by grace. God loved the world so much that his only begotten son was willing to give himself up for us so that we could have access to eternal life. When you are redeemed, you are claimed by somebody that has the ability to take care of your debt. And that is what Christ did for all of us all the way on Calvary. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you for this word that went forth. We thank you for those who heard it and those who will hear it later, that they will get some reassurance, Lord God, that they will uh, recall their tears, that they will handle their requests and know that they are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord God, let this be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. Let your Holy Spirit do its holy work through your holy people in your holy church for your holy kingdom. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name. Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.